Welcome to the Mad Pastors Podcast, the honest podcast for honest pastors, powered by G6 Allies, because everybody needs an ally. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Mad Pastors Podcast. I'm Ian. I'm Michael. And hey, we're here having all the conversations you usually either have to have in secret or only have in your head because we're pastors that care about real issues. Isn't that right, Michael? Yeah, I have those conversations in the shower. Oh, hopefully in your head, but okay. Um, No, out loud. (laughs) I've never been invited to those conversations. And you never will be. Well, okay. Um, So welcome. uh, Welcome back, everybody. Listen. Uh, if you weren't listening last week, we encourage you, you need to go back. In fact, if you haven't heard, uh, any of our podcasts until now, you need to go back and listen to some Welcome. other ones too. We're yeah. glad you're here. We are. Uh, and we love you. Uh, however, we need you to, uh, just get ready because you probably, if you're in ministry, in church, or you're just born and breathing, you're probably used to hearing this. Uh, let's get That's right. We're talking about conflict management and, you know, kind of a different take. We're not here in a self-help book section. We're not here to tell you a special formula that gets you out of every conflict because those things don't exist. Or at least, Michael, I haven't found one. Have you? No, no. They, I mean, there are all kinds of resources out there and a lot of really good stuff, right? Sure. I don't want to downplay that and say that there's not good stuff. There's a ton of good stuff. In fact, we're going to look at one of the really good resources uh, today. Mm. Um But yeah, I mean, conflict is always going to be with us, right? We're never going to get away from it. It's always going to be there. We're always going to have to encounter it. And the way in which we do so matters a great deal. Well, I I once heard a man say, and I thought that it worked. He said, conflict is like a toilet seat cover. Everyone has one and they're all different. The problem is I've never had a toilet seat cover. So I appreciate the sentiment and I think it's true. Does but I think everyone a, have one? They oh. don't now. Maybe they, I mean, he was like 80. So, oh. I mean, you got to have a donut on there when you're that age. But either way, um, for, for us, listen, man, conflict, it varies. And we are people that believe in principles over methods as much as we can. And there are certain principles and those things don't change. And so we're going to always try and focus on the most important. Our upcoming resource uh, is called Conflict Management. Um, and that is something that we deal with on a regular basis. I mean, you just cannot get away from it, but I love how Charles Spurgeon said it. He said, conflicts bring experience and experience brings growth and grace, which is not to be attained by any other means. Um, I think that that means for us, um, if you're taking notes or you're in a car and you're going to remember exactly where this is at, I think this is an important thing to remember. Conflict is either the enemy's greatest tool or it's God's greatest witness to who he is. But it's a presence. Uh, it's presence is a guarantee in our lives always. Yeah. So that is, you know, we can either see, we talked last week that it's, you know, conflict is, we look at it as an obstacle to get over, but the truth is it's always an opportunity to allow what we believe to actually come through and, and be actualized and realized in our lives. And that sounds crazy. You know, if you're like me, I've had, and you're in church and you're with people, uh, most of the time you want to get a baseball bat rather than sit down and talk with people. I think I don't recommend that. No, it doesn't end well. Um, but today we're going to very t- messy. <laughs> wow. You went further than I ever went with it. Um, <laughs> but 
Dude, every time I listen to our podcast, uh, my laugh is terrible. You so listen just, to our podcast? I mean, occasionally. Oh. Uh, when when I don't have any. Oh, that, that accounts for our two downloads, you and me. Oh. We actually hit the triple digits a couple weeks ago. Yeah, we did. And we're excited. This is only podcast number eight, I think, seven yep. or eight. Um, and so listen, we, we love you guys. We're excited. We've got some really cool stuff even planned for the future throughout our podcast. And so I hope if this is your first time listening to us, that you're going to subscribe, that you're going to give us a review. We want it. We need it. Um, but we also want you to become a partner with us. And so on a serious note, we really do. We are tackling, um, tackling the subjects and the issues that pastors go through every single day. And so conflict is... I think probably the most pervasive situation that pastors deal with. And, and over the years, I think we have a combined, you and I have a combined 30 or 40 years almost in ministry. Um, and in that time, that's been the most thing. I mean, think about it. When you get together with a group of pastors and you guys are all sitting down and talking, usually you start telling horror stories and one up each other. <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and it's, and it's not just that we, we, it's the most pervasive thing that we deal with. It's also probably the most important thing mm, yeah. that we deal with because the way in which we handle it is going to put you on a different trajectory as a as a minister, as a church, yep. as a ministry. How you handle it is going to set the course for where you you end up in the future, right? And, yeah, and yeah, and and, and so I, I think. We want to give, you know, yeah, we do like to cut up and goof off and have fun sure. and uh, all of that. But we do want to provide some helpful things to other pastors who are listening to this. And so as we're thinking about managing conflict and how to develop healthy conflict, because that is such a thing. It's not an oxymoron. Sure. Healthy conflict is a good thing uh, and it can happen. But as we're doing that, so we kind of want to outline three three steps, and we're not going to go through all three of these steps today. Sure. Uh, today, we're just going to talk about step one, uh, but these three steps are uh, to, to reflect, to respond, and then to resolve. Yep. And so today, we're going to talk about uh, reflect and, and thinking about the, our whole process around how we approach conflict. We said last time that we need some kind of mental shift or we need a philosophy change in how we think about it, right? Right. Uh, and so today we're going to talk a little more about how we reflect on conflict. But before we do that, I want to say just one or two quick things about conflict. One, whatever your role, whether you're the lead pastor, uh, whether you're on staff, whether you're a volunteer, whatever capacity you are in, what you do, your action or your inaction, mm -hmm. either way, you're going to be doing one of two things. You're either going to be contributing towards healthy conflict and resolving things the right way, or you're going to be contributing to making it even more broken. Yeah, right? there's no middle ground on it because it's because it is something that's always going to be there. And like like we said, if it's it's either the enemy's greatest tool to divide or it's God's greatest witness to what the gospel and what grace can do. Um, it is. It's. It's. There's always an opportunity, and I think we need to be very careful too. We live in a world of uh, listening to, or a world that is very. I want to say it's. It's a very a world full of conflict, but it's also it kind of teaches you in the church. We act like we're supposed to be conflict averse, and we've talked about this in the past, but. 
just especially because, as pastors, yes. we ought to be conflict averse, right? No, exactly. And so we have a lot of pastors that we this the thing is, you know, you go to them and nothing ever seems to get resolved, but they always tend to, you know, when you address the situation, it's always kind of an oh man, and they kind of push it off or they get very political. And and over time, I've watched a lot of people leave churches because of this or staffs. You know, your staff is always a revolving door. Sometimes it's not even because the pastor's super mean. It's because nothing ever gets dealt with. And it's that's that's just as toxic mm-hmm. as being overbearing and over conflict oriented. And, yeah. So we, we yeah. bury our heads in the sand or, or we we think we've buried the hatchet. Or but, we schmooze people. But we or, haven't. Or, you know, as yeah. Garth Brooks' old song says, we buried the hatchet but leave the handle sticking out uh, okay. so that we can go back and grab it and, and yank that hatchet out of the ground anytime we want. It's a great song. If you like country music. <laughs> I, I don't. That's a, that's a good one. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, so we we can't just ignore it. We're either mm-hmm. we're either making progress and contributing toward it getting better yeah. or we're we're making things worse well, or, and, and, or allowing them to stay broken and when we should be resolving things right you, you said a great thing a minute ago though that made me you know that kind of it was the garth brooks quote wasn't it it was not uh, you said very well um that it changes the trajectory of our ministry and it's very true and let me just say it this way um i have watched as somebody who has seen very has usually god has put my wife and i in positions where when we go to a ministry it's a very unhealthy ministry and we have to work really hard at trying to get it healthy um, and watching the trajectory of things change, normally when I would walk into a ministry that was very broken, very unhealthy, um, and just kind of Lord of the Flies, it was interesting that when you dealt with when when conflict came up, because that's a situation where there is there should be healthy conflict, but there's going to be what says, "Hey, this is where we're at, but we don't need to be here anymore. We need to get to here." Um, you notice that people have lived in an unhealthy conflict type of, in a world of unhealthy conflict mm-hmm. in those places. So, you know, whether you walk in and everybody's, it's always going to be just a fight back and forth and they're always wanting to fight you or it's a very subversive, well, we don't talk about that. We just do what we do. And the pastor used to let us just do whatever, you know, that those are both dangerous places to be. And so your ministry, and I know what you're saying too, you may have to dig out of a hole a little bit if you say, well, if this convicts you and you say, man, I get that, but here's the encouragement. It will become, you will get exponentially better. And the worse off you are, that's not a reason to say, I'm going to give up and be done. That's to say, even the small changes I'm making now are going to have a big impact. And you will see if you will do what is required now and start looking and thinking about healthy conflict, it will change uh, more than you can imagine, quicker than you can imagine. And so it's going to be hard conversations, no doubt, but it's worth it to do the hard things up front so that you can have a healthier ministry in the back end. And, and listen, we're, we're not saying, you know, don't hear what we're not saying here, right? right? We're not saying you ought to go into every fight with guns drawn, ready to win, ready to ready to knock your yep. opponent out. Like, that's not what we're saying either. We're actually going to be we're, saying the opposite. Yeah, don't avoid conflict. Don't don't bury your head in the sand. But also, don't go in with guns drawn and yep. ready, fire, aim uh, type of approach to things. Right? Like we we need to strike a balance because we tend we tend to go to one extreme or the other, don't we? We yeah. either are oh, yeah. such people pleasers and such conflict uh, averse that we never talk about it at all, and we just ignore it and hopes it goes away. And it festers and grows and, and gets worse. Yep. 
Or we go into it like a bull in a china shop and we drive everybody off. We, we end up getting our way, but we ruin relationships and we run everybody off in the process, which mm. also is detrimental to the ministry. So 100%. we don't want either of those extremes. And so what we're hoping to do is, is guide us towards some sort of middle ground that helps us think through this in a biblical way that, that ends up growing and advancing the kingdom more than it does hurt the cause of the ministry. Well, and so now, I mean, now given that preface, we spent about 12 minutes now talking about what we are not meaning and what we're trying to mean. And so like, let's just, here, here's an example of what we're going to work on today. Uh, we're going to talk about how to, how to process conflict because there's, we tend to skip this step always, right? It's, or we don't go through this even mentally, or we don't say if maybe it's a conflict that finds you, sometimes conflict finds you and you've got to respond to it in the moment. But I would say that's a much lower percentage than the mass majority of conflict that you can control the time and the place. Mm -hmm. And so that's where if you're being sensitive to the spirit and you're really spending time trying to be in the spirit, that those moments come. Uh, but usually we skip the step of processing or if we think we're processing, we're stewing. And those are different things. Mm -hmm. Stewing is let this simmer. Let me get mad. Uh, you know, I served this is. I served at one time and there was a, a human resources, so an HR guy who also just a terrible conflict of interest did HR and he did finances. And I mean, why? <laughs> That's the first question. Um, because here's, you know, and you may, it may not off the top of your head because it didn't strike me at first until later on. I realized if there's a problem with you, it always gets linked back to your budget and your money <laughs> and your salary. And that's not healthy because if somebody ends up having it out for you in that position and that happens, well, then you're really screwed out, screwed over in a couple different positions. Cause you're like, well, now I don't know if I'm going to get a raise or I don't know if I'm going to have help. So, but this guy was, he was the epitome of, you know, when you hear the term short man syndrome, you know, somebody, just a little guy who is always compensating. Yes. For, for, being, t I mean, probably a five foot two, you know, just a small fellow and not nice enough looking guy and very good at speaking the spiritual vernacular. Um, but anytime you spoke with him about something serious, one, he never had a consistent view on anything, but two, he was known around the church for, and, and he would walk in and whether it was talking about somebody's budget or talking about somebody, he was very uh, self-aggrandizing and very over spiritual. So he'd come in and, and he was a little bit older. So he would tell you about just all of the great things he had done. And then he would tell you later, he'd be like, well, your budget's like this and God's not okay with it. He's not honored by that. I mean, it wasn't a real conversation. It was how you're, it was emotional manipulation. And he would even grab people in the hallway about sensitive subjects with other people. It wasn't, Hey, I need to touch base with you or whatever. He would grab somebody and say, hey, people have been talking about you about this subject. Like he grabbed one girl. Private conversations yes. that, that are happening in public. I couldn't, yeah. I mean, I could not fathom that. I totally get people that say, I don't want to be in conflict. I need to give, you know, I need to, I let it fester. But people that would, when you grab somebody and there's a certain amount of power for somebody like that, that their Lord, like to them, it puts them in the position of power in that where they say he would grab, he grabbed one girl while she was walking with a couple friends, a guy and a girl, and she was struggling and she had gone to him to talk about several issues that she had in her office at the office. And he grabbed her and said, Hey, uh, listen, people like he been grabbed her. 
Well, no, sorry, not physically. Oh. He he stopped her <laughs> like, in the hallway. Send him to the HR person. Oh, oh. wait a minute. <laughs> so, but he would he would stop these people, and he would say he would say, "Hey, listen, people have been complaining about you, and I've heard you've been complaining about this, and you haven't come and talked to me." And he did that in front of a group of people. Yeah. And that girl came back. We all we shared an office with three or four people um, at that church, and she was in that office. And I remember she came back just in tears and said, why, who talked about this? Who said these things? And I mean, it wasn't anybody in that office. So, you know, there was, there's some multiple, you know, on both sides of that, she probably shouldn't have been as vocal as she was, but when you're in a position of authority, you don't do that. And, and we, I would hear story after story, the people that would come in and these women that he would talk to that would just be in tears because he would have the same kind of tact. And he even pulled me at one point in and I had, two senior staff members with me and he started yelling at me about something. It was so funny. He said, I can't believe you spent a thousand dollars on these giant uh, inflatable balls for this student event. And I said, I didn't. And he, and he came, he goes, well, what do you see right there? And he shows me his phone and I looked at it and it said, it said $500 for these beach balls. And I said, I'm just going to call him bill. I said, bill, first of all, do you have a receipt? And he said, no, I said, I don't know what you're talking about. And I pulled up my Amazon and I said, those were $60 a piece. I spent 120 and he went, whoa, oh, whoa, whoa, uh, whoa. And he just stopped for a minute and he, but he continued to yell and then walked out and that other senior staff, eventually he had to come and apologize to me because honestly, because the pastor and the other guy said, we don't want this guy suing us for harassment because you've been doing this constantly to people. Um, that's your HR guy. You have to sue your HR guy for harassment, but either way, um, that way, his whole mentality, I mean, there, there, I could tell you story after story, but his whole mentality. There, there wasn't any forethought into. No, it was ready, his, fire, aim yep. on everything. And if anybody that will Google something and then come in rather than go and look at receipts or do that. And then on the other side of it, it was always some kind of spiritual manipulation. And he would always, he would talk to me and other people and say, you know what, if you just, you, and, and I caught him in several lies. So I don't know what his deal was, but I did know this. If he had have set back and taken the time to process and to allow his heart to be right and to think about the things he was talking about, he would have had a lot less problems. And he's not there anymore, by the way. But this guy was he was just a joke. And I, but I think that a lot of people, I think there's a lot of leaders like this and a lot of pastors that either get away with it because they're the head guy and there's this very uh, manipulated sense of the anointing of the pastor. Um, and so there's no accountability there on them or some people, I think it's really sad. We've just assumed that that's how the church works Mm -hmm. and that's okay. And we are supposed to be so different from society that we are not the people berating others on Facebook. We're not the people living in bitterness on staffs. That staff could have as, as a whole, was so gossipy, so drama-driven, so angry at each other, about 30 people, and everybody always had a problem. And as soon as you fixed a problem, I found out about a year into it, as soon as the problem got fixed, there was just another problem to be mad about. And that's, that is the enemy's greatest tool. And when he takes care of it, rather than people being able to, by the grace of God, allow his grace to work in their hearts and to work in conversations. And so let's well, dive in I, a little bit. So I want to go back and and touch on something else you said earlier. You, you, you mentioned a distinction between stewing on something and processing it, right? Yes. And that there is a distinction. In how the do, kitchen, how, stewing is tasty. 
but in conflict, it's debilitating. So how do we know what that distinction is? And, right. and I would say, I would say this, um, stewing on something is only ever going to result in you further solidifying that you are right and yep. your opponent is wrong. Right. It's only ever going to make you more angry, more upset, more bitter, more frustrated. Yes. It's only going to it's only going to fester negative emotions and negative outcomes, right? And make you less and, likely to ever actually confront and talk. Yeah. And 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 less likely to be persuaded that you mm. were in the wrong, right? Yeah. Before being honest, stewing is yeah. just digging your heels into your position and convincing yourself that you're right and how dare that other person do yeah. what they did. 100%. Processing approaches it a little bit differently. I would say processing looks at it like 2 Corinthians uh, 10 tells us when Paul says that we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Yes. When we pause long enough in the middle of a conflict or when we're getting ready to go into a conversation that we know is going to be a little dicey, we stop long enough to think, all right, are my thoughts being taken captive to obey Christ? Yes. Am I doing what God would want me to do here? Am I being humble? Am I being teachable? Am I being kind? Am I being honest? Am I, am I all of these things that we want to be, that we want to embody, are we doing those things? That's what we mean by processing instead yes. of stewing, right? Well, and, and I love the, the picture that Paul draws in 2 Corinthians 10, and that's if you're looking in your Bible, it's, it's 4 and 5, where he begins to talk about this, and it really brings to light this idea that you are a prison warden for your mind, and we don't act that way. Stewing is a very prideful thing to where, we're like you said, we're only trying to make sure that we're right, solidify that we're correct, but there's a humility in guarding your mind and taking your thoughts captive where Paul is trying to say, listen, your opinions and viewpoints and your thoughts are not what determine your value. And that's where we find that we don't find our value in Christ very often. Even in the church, it's sneaky. Even in our theological beliefs, those are not where we find our value in our, in our personhood. We find that in Christ and there is an amazing amount of humility uh, when process, processing and humility are the same thing to where you can say, you know what, I can separate my worth from these different things and I can evaluate them objectively uh, through the lens of scripture and let scripture say it. Because odds are, my, you and I both know, odds are in every conflict, it's never a 100% thing. Right. At the very least, it's usually 80-20. And there's, you know, and so there's, it doesn't, now that's not participation trophy science where you're like, we're all wrong. Nobody's saying yeah, that, right. but there's always a place of humility where you can say, you know what, if I sounded like that, I really apologize. That wasn't my goal. Yeah. Very, very, in fact, I can't even think of a time when I was 100% right not and the that, other person was 100% wrong. Not even one time, Michael? No. And I, and I will stand by that 100%. <laughs> Nice. See what I did there? Thanks, Michael Scott. No, but you know, you know the the adage I've always gone to is there's always three sides to a story, yes, right? Yes. His side, her side, and the truth. truth, and it's somewhere in the middle there that yeah, we're not always going to be right all of the time, you know. Yes. And so we need to be humble enough and approach these situations with that in mind. So Ian, walk us through if if a pastor's listening to this and they've got a, a meeting with another staff member or with a volunteer coming up later this week that they're dreading mm. because I know it's going to be a confrontational type meeting and they need to address something that they have been putting off yeah 
uh, and they want to make sure that yeah. they're going into it with the with this right attitude that we're talking about. Yeah. What What are some things they need to be thinking about? What are some questions they need to be asking themselves as they go into that uh, to make sure that their mindset is right? Yeah, I think that so a lot of this has to do with and, and this honestly, guys, this works for any believer, too. So maybe it's a staff question. Um, maybe it's a, maybe you're a a small group leader that's got to talk with somebody else, or you're just a believer that's got to go and talk with an annoying other believer, right? Like you've been in those, those situations, but yeah, I think that there's several ways that we, that we can do this. And so talking about processing. So next time we talk, we're going to talk about, um, responding to conflict and the third is going to be resolving. Um, we really got creative on those three R's. Um, trying to get as alliterated as possible, but here's here's what I here's what I think you need to do, and here's the process that I think is going to help. One, you need to breathe, okay. And if you are dreading this and you're worried about it, you need to be able to breathe and step back. And I know this sounds odd, but be confident, okay. Confidence isn't arrogance. Confidence isn't even being right. Confidence gives you and confidence in the fact that. You want the best for that other person, okay? And that you want to see something good come out of it. So there's there are three questions. And really, I, I would think about it. Here's what gives me confidence in that is Ephesians 2.10, okay? Um, I love, we all know Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, right? We've all, you know, for by grace, you're saved through faith and that not of yourselves. And we learned that in Awana <laughs> if, we, if we grew up Southern Baptist or we, you know, we learned that at one point. Um, but Ephesians 2.10 I think has to be the start of our thought process. Okay. And here's why Paul's Paul is writing to the Ephesians and he begins, I think it's one of the most challenging truths in scripture, but he says, for we are his meaning God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Most of the time when we walk into a situation, conflict we will stick specifically with conflict right now, but it could be any situation we walk into it saying, it's up to me to lay the road and to pave the road that I'm going on and to make sure that I do what God wants me to do. And that is 100% anti-gospel. In fact, your job, the same way even Jesus did this, when you wonder why in the world did Jesus not heal everybody at the pool of Bethesda? Why did he not do and just come down and blow everybody away with every miracle? Because Jesus wasn't concerned with trying to do his own will. His job was to respond to the Father and everything. And what I think Paul is telling us here is, whether if you're walking into a situation of conflict, you don't need to be focused on convincing that person that you're right, making sure that you've got the whole conversation under control. You need to worry about the good works that I have laid out before you. And Michael, that's a huge uh, stress reliever for me in situations like that. Because Mm -hmm. now my job isn't to lay the road and be in control of something that I can't fix. It's not all on my shoulders. Yes, or to be a manipulator and to try and manipulate things to fit my way. It's me saying, okay, in this situation, as I process, I am going to focus on what it is that God has laid before me. Because you have to also believe that God's allowed this conflict and, and knew about it before he even created the world that you would be in it. And it'd be a great opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so so that's the first thing is that one, be confident that God is in the middle of the situation you're in and that it is salvageable and redeemable. 
Um, the second thing is take some time and pray. I think Psalm 119, it is probably the most, uh, one, of, one of my friends in ministry and I have talked about this. It's one of the most dangerous um, dangerous passages in scripture because David says, Lord, search me and know me. And if there's anything offensive in me, show me. That is an incredibly scary thing to pray to God. And I think that this is this is where all healthy conflict, in fact, all godly living happens. You should be spending, James 1.19, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Well, that's the reason for that is that we are spending time focusing on our hearts and our intentions and what's going on with us. And imagine how many times you just look like an idiot or a jerk because you were quick to fire something off and it wasn't even the issue. Man, I've... I remember some embarrassing times I did that with students. I, I should have been more discerning of a leader who said, I'm really, I'm frustrated with the student because they're always talking, which is actually a good thing. They're always talking to Bible saying they're always doing this and that. And man, I went to this, this girl, sweetest girl ever. Her name is Peyton. And I said, Hey Peyton, listen, uh, your leader came to me and said, you're talking a lot. And listen, James one nineteen, And I quoted it to her and I did it off the cuff. And that woman said that, and I didn't take the time and that girl left, and I got a call from her dad, not even an angry call, but I was very early in youth ministry, and her dad said, why is my daughter crying over you talking to her about James 119? And I went, oh gosh. And I, <laughs> and I just stopped, for, and he was very full of grace, and and we all need, pastors need grace, a lot of it, from time to time. And, uh, and I remember, I went back to her, and I said, you know what, Peyton, you do all the talking you want to do, because at the end of the day, I'm... I should have paid more attention to that. And I apologized about it, but that's a really basic example of just firing stuff off. And so here's a couple of questions. We really three questions that if you're about to walk in, if you're getting ready to walk into a situation, you, you may say, I'm listening to this, you know, it's Wednesday morning. I'm listening to this podcast and I got to have one of these conversations at 2 PM. That's plenty of time. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but ask the first question is this, man, what are my intentions toward the situation and the people involved? What do you what do you really want to see? Why are you frustrated? What what are this isn't about them and their intentions. You know why? Because you don't know what their intentions are. You just don't. You might think you do. You might even be really good at judging it. Mm-hmm. But you are responsible for your heart and yours alone. And you've got to ask yourself, man, what is uh what's my intention in this conversation? Because I have been more wounded and beat up by pastors um, that I worked for. Because they walked into a conversation and I, I left into this day. I remember the whole conversation and I cannot for the life of me understand what their intention was in the meeting. Right. In fact, what it mainly was, was insecurity and pettiness. And it just beat me up and cut me deep. So I would ask that. And then I, I would ask the question, once you say, man, what are my intentions? Man, am I seeking the good of others or am I just trying to justify my position? People want to feel, and we're going to talk about this next week, people want to feel valued and loved. They don't need to hear why you think you're right. You mm-hmm. wouldn't be having the conversation if you both didn't think you were right. right. I mean, we're not. you're not going to have that with somebody. And, and at the end of the day, your job isn't to convince them that they're wrong. Your job is to let Scripture inform your response, Colossians 4, 6, right? That what you would say would not only be full of grace, but when Jesus says seasoned by salt, what does salt do, Mike? It does two things. It tastes and it preserves. Right. Are the words that you're saying, are they are they preservative of your relationship 
And are they drawing up thirst for people to want to talk to you more? Because here's the deal. I've watched this. I think you do this well. Your wife does this very well. Um, people can disagree with you on a regular basis. And you love people that are very disagreeable people. But they keep coming back to you. And they do that. I struggle with that. I struggle to say how it is and how I think it should be and shut it down. But it's been interesting to me to watch. You can be polar opposites with people. And they keep coming back to you because of that truth. Because you speak truth. And you don't make it about trying to convince them of something. You let scripture continually inform them. And I've seen in my life in areas that I've done that, I've seen the most change in the lives of people. And here's what that looks like. Honestly, we had a long discussion today about discipleship, what we believed about that. A lot of that comes with spending time and getting to know somebody and investing in them right. and allowing that, not just arguing. Um, and then and then I would ask you, that, I would ask this question. Am I making assumptions about the intentions and character of others in the situation. When you walk into that, and we'll talk about the words you can use next week, but when, as you're preparing your heart, and again, this is something you don't just prepare your heart and then forget all about it and walk into that conversation. Cause if you do that, you're going to go right back to naturally what you feel and what's dangerous to go back to. But man, what, what am I assuming about this person? Because if you and, and maybe you need to find somebody, I would not find another staff member, but maybe an ally that you've got, or you're welcome to email us and talk with us. We we thrive on that. But saying, hey, go back and listen to episode six. Boom. About uh, finding an ally. That's a great point. Good plug. Um, but Thank all you. that to say, what is it that I'm assuming? Because if you're really honest with yourself, you're gonna you're usually gonna be assuming some pretty negative things about people up up, up at the end, like. Just things like, do I really think that this person is just trying to get my goat and be mean to me and be rude and blah, blah, blah? Do I really think this person believes I'm incompetent and stupid? I mean, you're usually that question is going to read more into your insecurities than it's going to read into reality. Mm-hmm. And it's going to inform your responses a yes, lot better. 100%. Well. Yeah. Here's the last question, and, and I, would, I would encourage you guys with this, pastors, lay people, small group leaders, whatever it may be is asking the question, and I know I said three questions. One of them was a complex question, so moving on. Here's the last one, though. Uh, I would ask the question, what are what are the valid points of their position, and how can I affirm what is correct while correcting what I see as a fundamental problem? And here's to break that down a little bit. You know, what, it, you know, what, are, what do they have valid points about? Everybody's got a valid point. Even if they have feelings, not all feelings are right, but feelings are valid because feelings are usually informed by something in somebody's past and what they're dealing with. And don't think you're a licensed counselor when you're not. So sometimes you need to send them to a licensed counselor, right? You need to go, tell me about your mother. Is this how you feel this way? But for, but for us, I think you need to be able to say, hey, man, it's totally valid that you are angry or you feel insecure or you feel frustrated or you're mad about this or that. I get it. But... Let's talk about where we can go further because the way that you responded to this, it came across this way to me and I'm willing to hear how you think I came across to you. I mean, that that's where I'm telling you, I've not had a troubled career in ministry. Uh, it's a weird way to say a career in ministry, but I've not had a troubled time as a pastor with most of my unhealthy pastors that, I, that have led in my church. Uh, but I've had probably about over 15 years, four or five negative discussions or like major discussions with pastors. And I'm telling you, I don't, I never in those four or five major discussions ever had something like this happen. Mm-hmm. 
they they had their agenda, they had what they wanted to get done, and I have the abused also abuses people. I've had I've been like this with people, and I hate that I have. But we walk we walk into conversations immediately thinking I know what's wrong with them. I want my point to be what gets across, and I'm going to get that done. And so I would tell you as you're processing this, humility is not thinking less of yourself or your position. That's why you can be confident and humble. It's thinking of yourself less. So begin to say, how can we do this, right? Yeah, I mean, to the same extent that it's very seldom that you're 100% right. Right. It's also very seldom that the other side of that conflict is 100% wrong, right? They're going to have valid Mm -hmm. points. They're going to have uh, ideas or perspectives on things that you didn't think about because yeah. Why would you, right? And, and we've all got blind spots that other people can see. And when we you are by nature myopic, speak people. into that, and yeah. and so uh, yeah, go into that conversation. Uh, and this is some practical bit that this kind of moves us out of the processing into the application of mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But when you have those conversations, verbally validate where they are correct, right? That yes. that helps relieve some tension and it and it conveys we'll hit that next week. Yeah. In, in it, detail. It conveys a little more that, hey, I'm not just in this to prove that I'm right. Mm-hmm. I'm in this to help us get better. Yeah. And and so that's gonna be that's gonna go a really long way in helping your conversations uh, develop healthy conflict. And if you're in the middle of getting into conflict, I would also encourage you, write it all down. Write down the points that you want to make, the things that you're struggling with. And sometimes there's, in fact, a lot of times it's helpful to write it all down because as you look at it, uh, and we'll again, we'll talk about this next week, but there's also an urgency here. Um, keep the main thing the main thing, okay? Them chewing too loud at the table is probably not something you want to argue about when you're talking about job performance, all right? So <laughs> like, pick the things that are, are key and important and know that you are not their savior for all things. And so as you do that, write it down, take a look. Uh, and then we're going to kind of end out this podcast. Michael, um, you have one of the coolest parts of our resources is our section that's uh, insight highlights, right? We do not. You are a freak of nature reading. You, you, your library is huge. Thank you. That's a good thing, I guess. Um, all this guy, all he does is read, read, read. And I, I read less than I should. I, I do my best to read, but he reads fast, reads well, and he's God's gifted him with a mind to break down complex things and summarize them greatly. So every one of our resources has one to two, what we call insight highlights. And it's depth when you only have the time to skim. We know we're pastors. Not everybody has his freakish ability to read 18 books a week. Um, so you might need, you. we break it down and we give you a way to interact with these books. And so one of those that we're going to look at, not even in the depth that it's in the resource, but is a book called uh, Crucial Conversations. It's an excellent book, and there's some really great uh, wisdom in that. So, Michael, why don't you kind of walk us through some incredible points out of that? All right, so this book, Crucial Conversations, it's it's an incredibly helpful book. If you've spent any time in corporate America, you have undoubtedly come across this book in some kind of training that you've been a part of. Uh, maybe you didn't know it was this book because it's been presented in a few different ways. It's kind of like Seven Habits, uh, Seven Effective Habits. is like it finds its way into everything. Right, and yeah. and with good reason, too, sure. because it is such a powerful book, and, and it has become a standard in best practices when it comes to managing conflict. Yeah. And so um, 
it's it's got some really really helpful stuff. I want to encourage you get this resource mm-hmm. uh, from g6allies.com and, and and take a look at that and get that good summary we'll be of it. Coming out in a couple of weeks. But then uh, we also we also want you to just to get the book and just to dive into the entire book because there's mm-hmm. so much material in there. But one of the really powerful things, one of the insights that we want to highlight, yeah, hence the name Insight Highlights, <laughs> uh, in this book. They talk about the way that we mentally process conflict, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it and it usually follows a three step process. First, we observe, we we notice what takes place, what we see happening, uh, and then we feel. So we we have these emotions. What we have observed creates some kind of an emotional response. Sure. And then we act, right? And so we so then we we respond or we we follow up based on whatever that emotion that we had was. So I see you say something mean about me. It makes me feel angry and I act according to that anger. And I say something mean to you, right? That's, that's the process. That's how it, that's how we typically go about things. Or it could even be, you know, you, somebody misinterpret, somebody says something on another side of it, you misinterpret it in your observation and it makes you feel betrayed or broken or whatever it may be. Right. Like it could be, when you observe it, it doesn't always even have to be an intended negative thing, right? Right, right. And and that's the part that we leave out mm-hmm. is this misinterpretation. We, we skip over that because our mind doesn't think that quickly or right. we don't let right. our minds think that quickly. Sure. Uh, because all of this happens almost instantaneously, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. When, when you see something... You get angry immediately, or yeah. you get sad immediately. Like emotions that that happens instantaneously, and it causes us to respond. But what this book encourages us to do is to recognize that there is actually another step in the middle there that we don't even recognize is happening because it happens that quickly. Wow. And that step is that we tell ourselves a story. So we observe something that happens. Yeah. Then we tell ourselves a story, and then we feel, and then we act. Hmm. And what I mean by tell ourselves a story is we don't have all of the pieces of information other than what we have just perceived, right? Yeah. We, we saw something happen or someone told us, hey, this person said this about you, or I've, I've told this volunteer a hundred times that they need to do it this way and they don't do it this way and yeah. it just makes me angry, so I'm kicking them out. And, and we jump right to that response. And so we've told ourselves a story. We've said to ourselves, self, this person is intentionally not doing what I told them to do. Or this person is just mad at me because mm-hmm. I got the promotion and they didn't. Or this person's mad at me because whatever. You know, we fill in the blank. We don't like information gaps. No, and we like we are hardwired to make a narrative of some type. But then I think we forget that we are also, because of sin, hardwired to find the negative in everything. So you're usually not telling yourself naturally a good story. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't I don't see that I don't observe that you have said something bad about me and think, oh, he's being so nice and so kind about me. No, right? That that's not how that works. We we right. skew that to the negative side, sure. Sure. Uh, but we don't even recognize, we don't even pay attention, stop and reflect long enough to recognize that we told ourselves a story yeah. and that we filled in some some information gaps that we didn't have, where if we had gone to that person and said, hey, I heard you said this, or you did this, or I thought we had talked about doing this, but turns out you did it, took it a different way. Let's talk through that. And you open that door for that conversation to take place. At that point, 
then they can say, well, here's what happened, and this is why I did this, and I, I thought maybe that this would have been the best approach to it, and, and I know I kind of had to call an audible on this, and mm-hmm. and or maybe it's something as simple as, you're right, I should never have said that. I am so sorry that was... I didn't sleep last night, and I'm I'm irritable, and that just yeah. kind of slipped out, and I'm really sorry. And so we we get the rest of that information. We get we let them fill in those story gaps, and it helps us then feel a little differently. We we yeah. process that, those emotions a little differently, which results in different actions. Right? It, it's amazing how the entire trajectory of a situation or or a conversation can be changed by maybe three or four words like that. Like, hey, tell me more. Or, hey, can you explain this to me? And asking questions. Um, one of our allies, uh, her name is Laura Grutz, um, awesome woman. She her, actually has spent her whole life training and investing in foster families and helping train foster families to have children. You can imagine that is a minefield of a mm-hmm. world. But I, I still remember to this day, and I was only about 18, 19, when, and she, my best friends with her son, and so just grew up in their house a lot. And she said, you know, Ian, I've had a lot of people almost spitting angry at me. Um, but you would be amazed that when I tell people, hey, I hear you. I understand. Let's talk about it. She said how that will completely change the situation. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how that happens. Yep. And, and so what this book encourages us to do is to actually reverse, be intentional about this. And, and if we want to have really good, healthy dialogue uh, and develop healthy conflict, let's reverse the order in which all of this happens, right? Yeah. So first, let's act. Okay. So how do you act first? Well, that the way you do that is you notice your own behavior. Mm. When when you start yeah. yelling back or, you know, when, when you retaliate by doing something, you're noticing that's the first thing you're going to do is notice your own behavior. Not what someone else is doing. Mm-hmm. Notice your own behavior. Yeah. From there, you move to, okay, what feelings... Are, have sparked that behavior. Mm-hmm. Am I acting this way because I'm angry? Am I acting this way because I'm sad or because I feel betrayed or because I'm ambitious or because yeah. I'm overeager or, you know, That's we're, right. we're going through the emotional side of it that drove us to that action. And then we're going to that story. All right. What story have I told myself to, to develop those feelings? Are those feelings valid? And, and am I missing some information that might change those certain feelings and emotions. And then lastly, uh, then we observe. So we go we go back to the facts that we know. What actually took place? What actually happened? What do we know for certain? Not what are we telling ourselves, but what do yep. we know actually happened? And then we're able to work through this whole dialogue process in a much, much healthier way. And right. so this is how we handle these crucial conversations on this, what they call this path to action. I love, man, I love the breakdown of that because, it, again, it's all about we don't live in a culture or a time that focuses on uh, worrying about yourself. We live in a world, you know, I hate, I don't want to offend too many people, but here we go. Uh, it's yeah. 2020. You're going to offend everybody. <laughs> well, I hate this idea of everything's a trigger warning. And that means if I'm offended, I mean, every we have. You've kind our, of triggered me, Ian. Oh, gosh. Again. Sorry. I do it every week. Uh, if we 30, you know, 20, even 20 years ago. Right. We think about it. Even early, we kind of there was still kind of a semblance of, you know, parents who said, you know what? If the teacher got on to you, 
it's your fault. Stop. Right. And now it's everything has shifted and there's such a shift on the myopic and we could get into the philosophy and the, you know, postmodernism and post postmodern and all that kind of stuff. And I get what led us here, but we have got to be different because that's not scripture. Scripture tells us you don't know the hearts of other people. You know God and you know, and you can learn your heart. Your heart's deceptive and the gospel can work in you. And that's where changes. And I think we forget a couple of things. And one is that, man, Romans 2, 4, it's Christ's kindness that leads us to repentance, not screaming and hollering and picketing and yelling. We're not, as believers, we were designed uh, for more than that. And I love what you're saying, man. If we would, th- even these simple steps, that's why we make uh, resources that are 20 pages long and they really, the margins are pretty wide, but we make short resources because it doesn't take massive resources to make big steps and big gains. It takes good truth and solid truth, and that's what we believe. And so, you know, I don't want to get too much into next week. I do think we've used, in this particular resource, I used Dwight D. Eisenhower a lot. He's one of my favorite leaders. He's a great leader out of the 20th century, probably one of the greatest. But I love what he said, that in preparing for battle, I've always found that plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you that I think that that is a directly, that's directly mirrored in scripture, that... Uh, it is that making your plans, you know, eventually may turn out to be useless, but searching your own heart to make those plans, that's what changes everything. And if you can work and focus on your heart, well, then that makes all of the difference. Um, and so, listen, we have loved uh, the fact that you've downloaded and listened to us. Thank you for spending this day with us. Um, listen, if you've got questions, if you're in the middle of something, if you're struggling, uh, our email address is at the end of this. Shoot us an email at hello, G6, uh, uh, hello at g6allies.com. Um, you can connect with us uh, and let us know if you want to talk. If you've got a question, we'll answer that online. Uh, but we absolutely love you guys and are so thankful for you listening and for wanting to make a difference. Yeah. So pastors, before you go into that conversation, just know I get it. I understand. I know yeah. it's hard. We've been there, uh, and and you'll get through it. Just yeah. just take take what it has been said here. Pause. Slow down. Process. Reflect on these conversations that you're going to have. Ask yourself these tough questions and be mm-hmm. honest with your answers. Uh, be humble and and learn to to identify those stories that you're telling yourself yeah. about the other party. And uh, and and I promise you it's going to result in much greater fruit than you thought possible. God's word to tell you, seek the good of others and focus on that, right? Do, do what is right. Don't focus on being right. So we listen, we love you guys. We're excited. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you again next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Mad Pastors podcast today. We hope that you found it not only encouraging, but beneficial that you have people in your corner doing ministry. Here's what we'd love for you to do. If you'd subscribe, review, and share our podcast, that would mean the world to us, and it'd help as many pastors to hear and be encouraged just like you were. G6 is also supported by partners and allies like you who are willing to financially give and be a part of this ministry with us. So if you feel like you'd like to be a part of this with us, just go to g6allies.com slash partner. And we'd love for you to become our ally in our mission to serve pastors and their families.
If you have questions, comments, or just want to talk more with us about your particular ministry needs, just email us at hello at g6allies.com. We can't wait to see you next time for our next episode. 